Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, folks, for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call if you have any questions about your yard, your landscape, your houseplants, or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, ideas, comments, or concerns? Mr. Kelly. Yes, sir. Uh, isn't the fall color just unbelievable? How Beautiful. Long? I yes. mean, it's still so striking, and it's lasted so long. Yeah, I it, can't it's, believe it. It's strange because, it, like, if you have you driven down Market and by the uh, uh, City Garden, yes, the row of yellow trees, just right. gorgeous. I was telling people earlier, my yard, a lot of the yellow leaves have fallen now. Okay, so my yard is like yellow; it's everywhere. As I told Debbie the other day, driving in, the streets were covered with yellow. It looked like I was driving on the yellow brick road, <laughs> and now all the red trees are just. You know, bursting out. So yeah, it's been beautiful. Have yeah. you had a chance to go drive around and check some out? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just I mean, unbelievable. Even yeah. our na- I mean, our neighborhood has some really striking mm. maple trees. And yeah, uh, I think the trees down there you're talking about are ginkgo trees. Is that what they are? Yeah. The are they trees? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That sounds interesting. What What are the the key aspects of ginkgo trees? Ginkgo trees is if you buy one, make sure you don't buy or you buy a male, not a female, because the fruits smell. Horrible, really, on the females. Hmm. But uh, I mean, they have the same color. It's just that once those fruits start dropping on the ground, you think, "Has there been a pack of dogs in this yard?" Oh man, <laughs> yeah. well that's not very nice. Yeah. So I hope they got the male ones. Did they call you before they bought them, <laughs> no. or listen to the? I hope they listen to the show. No, they knew that. I think. okay. But well, anyway, I hope so. Yeah, it's it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I just don't remember. This you know this late in November with so many trees still fully leafed out. There's certainly some that have dropped all their leaves. But. Now you got to hope that we don't get an early season snow, right? Because that would really damage the trees. So hopefully the leaves will be gone before that happens. Yeah, I thought on Thursday there was supposed to be a rain and it was a drizzle maybe at the most. Yeah. It was going to knock all the leaves off, but it certainly didn't. Well, usually this time of year that we get the big wind that kind of strips all the trees before it snows. So right. hopefully that'll still happen. But yeah, very late but beautiful fall. Absolutely great. Yes, it is Saturday morning, and we get together and we discuss what's going on in your backyard, what's going on in your specialty garden space. How are those herbs doing? They still look good. They still smell good. Uh, the taste of the tropics, your house plants. They better be inside. 
Uh, it hasn't been below freezing yet, but it's been cold enough a couple times to do some damage to some of the foliage. And uh, should you repot your house plants when you bring them in? And uh, maybe should should you be improving your garden soil? Should you be pruning this time of year? And uh, are there still insects out there? Oh, boy, oh, boy. How about a disease? Can you do anything about it this time of year? Or how about weeds? Can you do any kind of weed control this time of year? Well, the information that I'll share with you uh, will hopefully open up some options for you, but the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. He answers the phone. He produces. So when you call in, just uh, tell Alex your first name and... uh, Probably what I'm going to start doing is maybe ask you where you're calling from when I start talking to you. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. If you'd like for me to do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Well, not yet. Let's, this past Wednesday, I was at a great... A cool house. I was so excited about going to O'Fallon, Illinois, that I showed up early. <laughs> but uh, the the owner was very appreciative, and he was a, a retired veteran of the Air Force, so he retired from Scott Air Force Base. So he, I didn't retire from the Air Force. I only spent three years and nine months because I got a th- three month early out for uh, uh, to go to school in the Air Force, but uh, he's a little bit younger than me. But uh, anyway, it doesn't matter, just a couple of years. But it was nice to talk to him, and he was, you know, very enthusiastic about, you know, the Air Force and everything else, and now he's working for another company since he's retired from the Air Force. But anyway, the Good Guardian Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, as I pulled up, cut limestone and concrete, no, cement columns, capped by figurines, large planter spaces, opening up to massive planter spaces behind a brick and wrought iron fencing wall. A sky begins to lighten up, offering a better view of the trees and homes of the neighborhood surrounding this place. And the plants include, and basically all the plants were weaving in the breeze this morning as the crows and robins were out, you know, calling to each other saying, hey, it's kind of chilly this morning. Well, first of all, you notice, wow, look at all the yellow leaves on these trees. Let's see. Oh, look at that bud. So that means that is a magnolia. And the leaves are waiting to fall, and the buds are waiting for next spring to open up. There's some really neat-looking gold thread branch cypress. Some boxwood and yew has been pruned, I mean, architecturally unbelievable. And uh, blooming Florabunda roses, some of them waiting to fall asleep. Other ones are not blooming anymore, but I think it's exposure, you know, the amount of sunlight they're getting. Variegated liriope spikes. Wow. Really looks nice. Most bed areas. Lawn was uh, nicely mowed, but there was a lot of leaves that had fallen. And that's just kind of what happens. And through the wrought iron fence, colorful lighting and Christmas decorations. And on top of the building that tells a story, Missouri Botanical Garden, 1858. Henry Shaw was an Englishman that came to St. Louis. He was in the hardware sales, 
And that's where he made his money, and that's how he started Shaw's Garden, Missouri Botanical Garden, and Tower Grove Park, too. That was kind of his farm area. And uh, it was just really kind of neat. He just created an unbelievable spot that we are just so lucky to have him end up here as opposed to any other place. So anyway, I was at the entrance building, the historic entrance building to the Missouri Botanical Garden. And uh, the Christmas stroll, as you could tell, it was, you know, you couldn't really see it from the outside and I couldn't get inside. But uh, a lot of the lights are not on this time of day anyway. But uh, anyway, that was a good gardening stroll today was uh, the historic entrance building to the Missouri Botanical Garden. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First caller of the day is Doug. Doug, where do you happen to live? Hello, Doug? Hello? Yes, Doug, where do you live? Chesterfield. All right, great. I got a question about uh, uh, prepping uh, my flower beds. Uh, is it too too late, or when is a good time, and and how do you recommend it? Uh, basically, you're prepping them. Is it are these new new beds, or are they existing beds? No, they're existing beds, and I've got a lot of clay soil, and I'm just trying to get it to where stuff will. Uh, have a better chance to grow. Yeah. I mean, you can do it really as long as the ground is not free, frozen through the entire winter time, and just add a couple inches of uh, compost, work it into the existing soil, then add a couple more inches. So actually you're kind of creating a raised bed by adding the, you know, the compost, and that's probably the best way to go about doing it. And you can do it, like I said, uh, as long as the ground's not frozen any time during the winter time to get everything ready for spring insulation. Okay, I got one other question for you. Sure. Uh, uh, I've got some uh, mussel shells that I took out of a lake bottom, and uh, can you crush those up and uh, put them in the flower bed? Would that be beneficial? I pro- you know, I've never heard of it, but I don't think. I mean, it would be. It would be kind of like adding pea gravel or something like that. It's going to create air pockets and spaces. But organically, it's not going to add anything to the soil. Okay. That's all I needed. Thank you very much. Great. And now let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hello, John. We got some problems with the phone. Hello, John. Are you there? Can you hear me, Mike? Yes. Okay. Um, I live in Belleville. I've got a older house that I bought in 04. The previous owner put in two burning bushes at a 45 degree angle to the street. Unfortunately, the closest one is only about three feet off the curb. Yeah. I made the mistake of using those big hammer in the ground plant food stakes on those bushes for a couple of years. Uh And unfortunately, now the bushes are about eight feet tall, about 12 feet wide, about eight feet thick. Right. And it's hanging over the street about 18 inches. I don't want to take hedge clippers to it. I don't want to cut the closest one completely off of the ground. But I've tried using the the Roger method of one-third a year trimming back. And uh, 
there's such a myriad of branches that I don't know what I've cut from one year to the next. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Gordian knot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to just whack it off because that'll leave the inside naked and scalded by the sun. Right. The problem is there's a huge maple street, uh, maple tree across the street. The only time I get any burning on these bushes is about this time of the year when the sun's moved further to the south. Right. Because these bushes face southwest. Well, to be honest with you, there's really not too much you can do. There, you know, that was just a bad idea where they planted them, and never, and it happens so often that people never plan for maturity. But that close to a street, it can scrape cars, it can do all kinds of other damage as well. So I would have to think that the, you know, the best way to just kind of get rid of it, or to you get rid of your problem, is just to get rid of them. And I know you don't want to do that, but there's not too much else that you're going to be able to do. I mean, selective pruning or shearing or anything else, like you said, is going to cause some kind of problems. And uh, they're fully mature. They're probably not going to get too much bigger than what they are right now. But uh, there really is no solution to your, you know, to your scenario. Yeah, I, I quit using those hammer-in uh, food plant stakes right. uh, a number of years ago because I realized they were getting a little larger than I wanted to deal with. Right, but genetically, they were probably going to get that large anyway through, you know, through this period of time. You can see some really large ones throughout the metropolitan area. And some of them have been fertilized, other ones haven't. So it just depends upon the, you know, the individual location and situation. And they're really tough shrubs. That's why they use them a lot in parking lots, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they can get pretty large. But... Uh, it's just you're kind of in a tough situation. I know you don't want to take them down, but that's probably going to be the really the thing that you need to be considering. So, but do you think if I if I cut it back at the at the edge of the concrete gutter and just literally shave it with hedge clippers straight up, that would be sufficient. Uh, for, and, and when's the best time? Uh, basically, you want to see the fall color, so you get to see that. So anytime after the leaves drop off and before the new leaves start emerging in the springtime. So you really got a considerable amount of time because they are deciduous and you don't have to worry about uh, like with the broadleaf evergreens of doing, you know, damage right. to that, you know, the foliage. Is I was hoping you'd say that because now I got all winter to deal with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank exactly. you, Mike. Sure. And let's stay in Illinois. And Randy, where do you live? In Rosewood Heights, Illinois. Okay, great. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Mindy and I, uh, last weekend found three uh, red magnolia seeds uh, in uh, Tennessee and brought them home. Uh, according to the internet, she checked it on the internet and we soaked them in water uh, to, to check to make sure uh, you know you can get the old kernel out. If they float, they said you didn't do very well, but <laughs> none of them floated. Uh, they faded on the bottom of the of the uh, glass of water. Uh -huh. So my next question is, what do we do with them? Uh, what kind of potting soil do we put in with them? We have miracle Grow. We uh, use that, but is that okay with fertilizer? Uh, I wouldn't, there's, you don't, there's no reason to fertilize them because there's nothing there to fertilize. So we've already used miracle Grow potting soil. Is that too much fertilizer? Uh, miracle Grow doesn't have fertilizer in it. I mean, oh, okay. so even though it's by a company that's a fertilizer company, but their potting mix doesn't. Probably what I would do as opposed to getting just simply miracle Grow, is go and get a, a potting mix for starting plant materials. And it's a little bit genetically a little bit different than everything else. 
And that's probably I would go ahead and you know put them in small pots right now. Maybe each you know each what do you got three? Maybe three different pots. You know one for each one, and uh, probably like a you know three or four inch you know probably plastic pot. So as opposed to a terracotta, and just put them in a sunny window and see what happens over the winter time. Put the seeds about uh, oh you know two or three inches down you know in the pot. Okay, and uh, how moist should the uh, the potting soil be kept? Uh, just slightly damp. You know, not wait until you start to see the potting mix shrink away from the inside of the pot. You'll see a little gap there. When you see that gap, just water. Don't water to flood it or to make it really soggy. Just to dampen it, and so just the moisture circumstance is what you're trying to you know duplicate. Fantastic. Good luck. Thank with you so that. much. Yeah. Thank Good luck you. with that. Yeah. And I'm assuming these are the probably the evergreen variety of uh, magnolias that you got from, you know, from these. But uh, let's go now to Carolyn Jar. Carolyn, how are you today? Hello, hello. Hi. Hello. I'm from St. Charles, and I have uh, some Christmas cactus. Is there anything you can do to make them bloom? Uh, sometimes there is, but for the most part, if they're not, you know, if you're fertilizing them and they look healthy from a foliage standpoint, there's nothing that's, you know, it's not like a poinsettia where you're changing the color of the leaves on them. Uh, you can't put them in a dark closet. You, I mean, there's just, some of them just kind of lose their ability to, you know, from the well, stem. I never fertilize them. Should I be doing, they're just growing really a lot. I mean, should I be fertilizing them all the time? Uh, not, not necessarily all the time. And uh, if they're growing healthy, that sort of indicates that this is, you know, this is pretty much all you can expect out of them. I know that's I a little bit. I have them in front of a morning window. They get the light, you know, biggest part of the day. Right. They're really pretty, but I just, I would love for them to bloom. Of course, they're so big, <laughs> but I guess much you can do about them. No, huh? to be honest hope with they, it. Hope they see what time of the year it is and. Work accordingly, huh? So, exactly. Okay, well, thanks a lot anyway. Sure. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's uh, not really too much if you've got them and they look healthy and everything else. If they want, if they're going to bloom, they're going to set the flower buds themselves. It's not like uh, you can add a fertilizer, you know, that's going to make that much difference. So, anyway, let's go now to uh, Mary's yard. Mary, how are you? I'm pretty good. Great. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I got a few questions, and I know you're going to go to break pretty soon. I hope I can get them in. Um, if I can, can I hold on till after the break? Sure. Okay. I got a mimosa. It drove me crazy this summer because I parked my car under it, and my car got... Whoa. <laughs> so give us a call back. <laughs> I guess we'll go ahead and just take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go back. Um, Mary got cut off some way. Mary, how are you? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I've got a mimosa at the front of my driveway. It was pretty problematic. Uh, this year because I thought it was getting sap on my car. Then a tree person came out, a consultant, 
they said that it was actually caused by a worm that was in the mimosa tree. And at the very end of the season, the tree looked terrible. And I didn't really see any worms on it, but he said it's a small worm, like an inch worm. And it inches its way up to the leaves and stuff and probably feeds on them. And he suggested getting some kind of tape at Home Depot and putting it on the lower part of the tree to stop him from getting up in the upper part of the tree. Hmm. Um, have you ever heard of that? Never. <laughs> uh, okay. And unless you saw the, the leaves were being chewed or holes in them or something, I can't imagine that there would be enough worms on that tree, you know, to, ca- uh-huh. to cause that kind of debris to fall onto your car. Yeah. Yeah, they got real curly and dried out looking, oh, and they just dropped. Yeah. Well, maybe it was worms, but, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, as far as foliage worms climbing up the trunk, that's uh, that's a new one on me. Okay. Well, what I did, and I was kind of required to by the city, something's got a little bit overgrown. I cut it back quite a bit. Okay. So, um it's pretty short now. I did that probably, actually I did that the second week in October, and I'm going to give it another try. I want it to come back because I think it's a nice-looking tree. Right. Um, when they're in flower, they're spectacular. Yeah. And um, are there males? I guess there's a male and a female mimosa, right? Not that I know of. Well, this never flowered. That was the weird thing. Um, I think I never did see blooms on it. Hmm. But um, but anyway, my one basic question is: I cut it back pretty much in the second week, second, yeah, second Saturday of October. Will that's not too late to prune it, right? Well, basically, you know, uh, it's since they're summer bloomers, you should be okay. But depending upon how much you cut it back, if you're not going to get any smaller branches coming out, then you're not going to get uh, the flowering. How big was it? How big is the diameter of the trunk? Any idea? Oh, oh, it's um, it's not huge. It's about, only about two years old, but it has grown oh. quickly. Probably about twelve inches, well, maybe fourteen. And it's only two years old. Yeah, it, it grew really fast. Well, I, you know, that's that seems a little bit strange. Well, wait a minute, let's grow that fast. But uh, anyway, let me look at a ruler. Generally, if it's that's only a- two years old, you're not going to get flowers on a, you know. You can get them at the nursery, and they can be in flower, but that's because they're using specific steroids to make them flowers to induce people to buy. But it's going to take a couple of years of being in the location before it's going to be mature enough to do the flowering. Oh, okay. Well, that was the reason then. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, maybe not quite that big. Yeah. Maybe not quite that big maybe on the trunk. Like two inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it does grow fast, and I was thinking about cutting two more branches back to have it short enough so I could easily reach it to prune it and shape it, but I'm afraid to cut it back too far and then this late of, of a date. Yeah, it's, uh, I would just leave it alone. Okay. And then I had to trim back a honeysuckle, but I know that won't have any problem coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and probably trying to overtake the whole yard. Right. And... um my other question was, I've got a rose barbary, and I've been told it's too close to the house. It is right at the foundation. When I bought it, they said it was a dwarf. Well, it isn't a dwarf, and it's gotten huge, and it's hard to cut back because it has all those thorns right. on it. Um, but I've 
almost need to get rid of it. I don't really want to because it's pretty at one time of the year when the leaves turn orange and red. If I cut it down pretty severely, it would still probably come back, right? They're pretty tough. Well, they are tough, but it's, you know, it depends upon once you cut it back, you know, weather and everything else. Uh, to me, I would just get rid of it. You know, if it's too close to the house, somebody made a major mistake. Yes, you get yeah. to enjoy it for a couple of weeks out of the year. But, you know, the nightmare of having a hassle with this kind of thing, I don't know if that's got, you know, worth your you know, mental and physical energies. Well, that's true, but it's going to be pretty hard to dig the roots out, isn't it? It's been in there about 15 or 16 years. Yeah, I mean, it was, if you come out a few inches, you know, four or six inches, you know, from where all the stems are coming up out of the ground and use a spade, uh-huh. not a shovel, the root system's not all that deep. So it's going to be a little bit of work, but it's going to be less work than what you're going to be doing, you know, to keep it pruned and, you know, from that standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, that should probably go. Okay. Um, and their roots aren't real extensive then. It's not going to have a huge root system. No, it isn't. They're pretty fibrous rooted. Okay, good, good. But if I did choose to just trim it back, it would come back, right? In theory, it should, but uh depends upon how, you know, one that old, it's like anything that gets older, it's tough for it to recover from severe pruning. Right, and it's kind of late in the year to do that, right? Yeah. Well, you can do it now. No, it's not a problem doing you know, on them because you're really not growing them for anything other than the leaves. I mean, they do flower, but you're not really growing them for the flowering. Right, okay. And one, a couple other, I, on my, I do have dwarf crepe myrtles, and I know they're dwarfs, and on those I wanted them to be full size, but they, they were mislabeled. And um, they should probably be mulched in pretty good for winter, right? Well, they don't need a you know exceptional amount of mulch. They're pretty tough, so three to four inches. That's you know around okay. the stems. That's adequate. Okay. And I have a dwarf Alberta spruce in a pot. I just planted it in the pot last fall. It looks really good. Some of the interior needles are getting kind of brown and dropping, but otherwise, it's got new growth. It looks good. And I wanted to leave it in the pot at least one more winter. You should, and be, I'm hoping it'll make it. Yeah, okay. You, you know, it depends upon the size of the pot, but they, you know, they're pretty tough and durable as far as durability to survive. You know, in pots for you know through the winter times. Okay, it's about a twelve, maybe fourteen inch pot. I mean, it's just big enough for the tree, and it looks great right now. Okay. And do they like to be on the dry side or? Yeah. Um, you know, they do. Okay, then it might be a little too wet in that pot. I yeah, should, just, you know. Yeah, just watch out for sure because I mean, there, you know, that kind of tree is native to a, a mountainous area, so the, that right. doesn't have a whole lot of soil, so there's not a whole lot of moisture there around the root system. Well, I'll just let the rain or the snow water it then. Right. I won't water it too much. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thanks a lot, and thank you for your service. I know you're a veteran, so. Um, I just wanted to say thanks because I know Thursday was Veterans Day. Right. It sure was. And thanks for the advice. I'll have to really watch dwarf versus full-size plants. <laughs> and look and see what dwarf means as, a full, as opposed to full-size. Well, thanks, Mary. And now let's head over to Ted's yard. Ted, how are you today? Good, Mike. Um, appreciate your show. And uh, I have an azalea that's kind of getting gangly, and I'd like to kind of cut it back to make it more of a, a bush-type uh, 
when's the best time to cut that back? Is it now or should I wait until uh, early spring? Yeah, no, neither one of those. You want to, if okay. you want to see some flowers on it, you got to wait till after it finishes flowering. And some of the varieties of azaleas do, they get a gangly look to them. So even if you do prune it, realize that you're not necessarily going to get a thick, dense shrub as a result of just pruning. So just keep that in mind. So depending, again, as I said, depending upon which variety it is, some are a little bit denser and thicker. Other ones are more elongated. So it's not necessarily going to solve your problem from an aesthetic standpoint. Oh, okay. So, so if I did cut it back, when would be the best time? Basically, you know, within a month or so after it finishes flowering in the spring. Ah, okay. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thank sure. you. My pleasure. Yeah, if you prune it now, you're basically pruning off the flower buds for next spring. So if you don't care about the flower buds, you know, then you could go ahead and prune it, but I don't advise it. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Got some phone lines open, so we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Wayne, how are you today? Great. And uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Where do you live? North County. All right. Great. All right. I have a question about a large pine tree. It, uh, I have a, it's starting to take over the front porch and a little garden that's in front of it. And I was wondering, can you cut back the ends of them long branches without doing any damage? And I'm talking probably three feet of branch to, you know, little snips here and there to just get it away from the garden and get it away from the porch? Uh, basically, you can't. What you might as well do is if these branches are causing problems, you might as well cut it all the way back to near the trunk, leaving about a quarter or a half inch stub. Because if you cut off the tip, that's where all the new growth is, is coming from. And especially on a mature one, you're not going to get any, uh, let's say, new surges of growth at those points that you just pruned off the tips of them or pruned. I don't want no new growth. Yeah. So I don't want no new growth because it's about 23 years old. Yeah. So you might go ahead. Oh, you might as well just cut it, cut that branch all the way back off. And if they're long, just cut them off in sections. It's not just one branch. There's probably three or four branches. That's why I'm asking about, you know, like three feet I can if I could cut back. Because if I do that, there's just going to be a huge hole right there in the middle of the tree that whenever you look out the window, you're going to see a huge hole. Right. I'd rather do nothing at all than to cut off the branches. Yeah. Uh, it would just look terrible. If that's the case, then I would say leave it alone. Because if you just cut off the tip or, the, you know, a couple feet or whatever you're talking about cutting off, that branch is going to die anyway. It is. Yes. Okay. So All that's right. why I'm saying, you know, pines don't recover from pruning really well, especially if they're larger and mature. Okay. Well, that answers a big question. I appreciate your help. Thank you very much. Great. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Bruce's yard. Bruce, how are you? Well, good morning, Mr. Miller. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, uh, we've got a number of gardens around the house, some with perennials, some with annuals, and we've got vegetable gardens. We also have a lot of trees and, of course, lots of leaves. Well, please collect those and dispose of them. But my question to you is, is with the garden, should I leave those leaves that help protect the plants through the winter? 
and then clean them out in the spring, or should I go ahead and blow the leaves out of those gardens? Well, you can either blow them out or mulch them or whatever, but, uh, yeah, don't let them pile up because what it can do is create a, It's almost like a, a natural plastic bag that would be just piled up on top of them, and it could you know, create a circumstance with a high level of moisture which could create you know problems for your perennials or you know whatever else you happen to be growing in that space. If it's you know oh, okay. if it's woody plant material, trees and shrubs, it's you know you're okay doing it. But if it's a garden space with perennials and ground covers and things like that, you can't really let them pile up. But I'll blow those out as well. Hey, I appreciate your your uh, your your help there, and I hope that you enjoy your day. Sure. Well, same to you. And even though it's a little bit too cool for me, but uh, that's is kind of the way it goes. And now let's head over to Bunny's yard. Bunny, how are you? Hello, Bunny? Yes, hello. Hi, where do you live? I live in the South County. Okay, great. Go ahead. Mike, I have some uh, spikes that I use to enhance my annuals on the deck, and uh, so I got rid of all the, you know, the dead flowers, and I have these spikes. Well, they've taken on a life of their own. They're huge, and they look pretty. Can I keep those through the winter, or can I cut them back at least? Uh, are you talking about leaving them outside? No, I would leave them in. Oh, so they're inside your house. I brought them in. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so this is probably a type of dracaena would be my guess from what your description is. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they could, depending upon if that is a Dracaena, then they can be a house plant for sure. So then, then next year, sometime mid to late April, then you can move them back outside. Great. Now, can I cut them back since they're kind of huge? Well, uh, if you do that, it, recovery may be slow. So, in other oh, words, okay. if so I was, leave them like they are. Yeah, leave them like they are. And if you're going to cut them, I would do that next year when you're putting them outside because the chances of them getting new growth outside is going to be much greater than in the winter times inside. Because in winter time okay. inside. Okay, inside. I just they're just huge, and I've got to find a place to put them. But <laughs> you know, they but they they're really pretty. So anyway, well, thank you so much, Mike. I didn't know what to do. Sure, that's my pleasure. Yeah, and I you know I hopefully they're dracaenas, and uh, if not anything that's you know that gets big, and you know I don't know if it was on a stalk or whatever it happens to be. But uh, anyway, Virginia, could you do it kind of quickly? Hello. Hi. Could you do it quickly? Yes. I brought in my elephant ears, like when you said to, and I cut them off, left them dry outside for the next two weeks. Uh-huh. And now I brought them in and laid them on cardboard in my basement because they're growing. They're shooting out shoots. Is that good or bad? Uh, you don't want to have that happen because, you know, it's just going to kind of run uh, to get some energy out of them. So you need to put them in like paper bags and put them in the dark. And that way that'll cut any new growth off that's on there right now and just put them in paper bags with some newspaper and put them in a dark spot. That's what you need to do for the wintertime. Well, that's what I usually do. But I mean, I couldn't believe they were growing. Yeah. Well, thanks, Virginia. Yeah, that's that's kind of unusual. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotlines. See you after the news. Now, at your service, 
Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, I see you, yes. I see you looking there at something Finding something exciting? No, I'm just looking to make sure where Oval Creek is. <laughs> you mean that between Kingdom City and Columbia? Yeah, I think it's between. Oh, no, that's, I'm on the wrong state. Oops. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll get you there. Moke, Missouri. Here we go. There it is. Okay, it is. I've driven over it a million times. Really? I should know. <clears throat> excuse wow. me. Excuse me. Well, it's not. This is the wrong one. We'll get to it later. What's up? <laughs> no, no big deal. I just was curious on what you were looking at. What I was looking at? Yeah, yeah because uh, that's a mess. You know, I-70, you get stuck in traffic. Oh, it's horrible. Good. I hate I-70. Yeah. And I've driven across it a million times between here and Kansas City. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I wish they'd do something with it. <laughs> Come on, do something with it. Get rid of it. <laughs> no, add then to we'll it. we'll have really trouble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So. Exactly. Well, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Yes, folks, and thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, all arounds. Yes, this is a time of year and the ground is still not frozen, so if you want to plant woody plant material, that's trees and shrubs, you can certainly do that. Herbaceous things, ground covers, perennials, and things like that, uh, you're kind of on the cusp on their, their ability to get their root system established. If we have a really severe cold snap, and uh, it could be... <coughs> But uh, bulb-wise, my tulips that I got from uh, Brightside St. Louis, I got those planted in pots the other day, last Wednesday. So uh, they're ready. And, you know, after you plant them, you know, four or six inches deep. Actually, I put them a little bit, probably closer to six, and leave a couple inches from the edge of the pot to the first series of bulbs. And then I water them in really well. And uh, now it's just uh, it's up to them to do their job. And how about your edibles? Cool season vegetables and things like that. Your ground covers. What happens when you've got ivy underneath trees and it gets buried in lots of leaves? Well, set your mower high and chop up all those leaves. But just be careful if you're going to do that so you don't trip on something like that. And uh, your house plants, they better be inside by now. Your lawn, your cool season lawns should be looking really good. Warm season lawns, my zoysia is pretty much almost all tan now. I roses, as long as they're blooming and looking good, you can you don't have to do anything as far as cutting them back yet. But uh, that's you can if it's a shrub type rose like a knockout. But the hybrid teas, grandiflores, floribundas, if they're flowering and looking okay, you don't have to cut them back. But another week or two after they finish. The petals drop, then you're going to have to be pruning them back pretty severely. Your shrubs, trees, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is over there. He's producing. He answers the phone as well. During the week and weekends, I spend my time uh, doing landscape consulting, where I come to your home and we can discuss whatever happens to be on your mind. So whether it's aesthetic, problem-solving, or anything else. And uh, if you're interested in having me come to your home, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, that's where my email address and phone number are listed. You can contact me 
We'll work out a time. I usually send you a couple times. I cluster appointments according to location. And so I'll send you some options. And, you know, whether it be a Wednesday, whether it be a Saturday, whether it be this or that or whatever it happens to be. And then you get to pick this specific one. Tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to Bob Rose. Bob Rose is the digital manager for the Post-Dispatch. Tracy found this really cool article in, in the Post-Dispatch. She's a subscri- subscriber. I am not. And she tried to send this article down to me, and we weren't able to do it. So she called and talked to Bob Rose, and he's explained to us how she— we can get the, I can open this up because I couldn't open the article up. And what this article was about is how the wild grapes here in Missouri, long time ago, actually did a major thing to help the world wine grape industry. There was a major insect that was causing problems for uh, the grapes throughout the world. It was kind of amazing. And what it was is our wild grapes here, the root system, is resistant, that insect doesn't cause problems with that. So they did a lot of, what they did is a lot of harvesting of our root system and sharing it, and then they started grafting grapes onto basically Missouri wild grape roots, and that's what saved the, you know, the entire grape slash wine industry. And Bob Rose, as I said before, is a digital manager for the Post-Dispatch, and he basically told Tracy what I needed to do so I could share that article with you. And it was really kind of amazing to think these wild grapes I'm always moaning about, and I had no idea that at one time, was over 100-plus years ago, that actually the root system of our wild grapes saved the grape industry. Basically, Europe, you know, other states and everything else, too. So it was really sort of amazing. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 436-7900 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's do one call before break. Let's go to Wanda's. Hi. Hi, Wanda. Hello. How are you? Very good. Good. I have a problem. My mom, <clears throat> excuse me, my mom has these um, weeds. They look like um, they look like grass, and they're very deep roots. I've tried digging up, but I can't dig deep enough. They're so deep. And... Um, so I have, I pull the weeds, I let them grow, and then I put um, Roundup, and I've tried other poison putting them on there, and they die out, it looks like, and then they come right back. It just doesn't kill them. So any any suggestions? Uh, without seeing it, it's a little tough. What I would do is, uh, where do you live? Collinsville, okay. Illinois. You, there's garden centers there. I would dig up a clump of it, you know, as get the whole clump, and take it to your favorite garden center and ask them what they would recommend. Okay. I have asked them, and they, they don't have any. They just tell me the Roundup so or something like that. How about trying so, just, rather than going Roundup, maybe try a grass killer. And what you want to do is, you know, stomp on it, open up wounds. This time of year, don't bother. It's too late. So the translocation oh, really? of the herbicides and stuff is going to be a waste of time and energy. But next spring, as soon as you start to see the new growth come, go after it at that time. Grass killer instead of Roundup. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. 
Yeah, and if if, yeah, it's, and if, if, it's, if it's coming back, you know, consistently after you sprayed Roundup on it, then it's, you know, that's kind of unusual. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and what it is, it, um, it kind of crawls. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it just... Um, it spreads. The weeds kind of... Yeah, yeah, it just kind of crawls under, and there's and the roots are just like I said. I've dug and dug and dug, and I just can't get to the end of them. Right, and there's so many, and it's so hard around roses. So. Yeah, take a look at uh, Bermuda grass and see if that might be it. T- look online. Bermuda grass. Right. Okay. I will look. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Earl's yard. Hi, Earl. Hi, Mike. Hey, a quick question. I know you've answered before, but uh, do I mulch my leaves in place or do I remove them from the grass? Uh, you, If it's over your lawn and they're not too thick, so in other words, after you mulch them, you know, in other words, you're running over them with a mower. If you can still see the grass through all the mulched leaves that you've just chopped up, then you're fine. If they're so thick that you're not seeing any any of your lawn, then that's a little bit too much. Great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, ideas, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, but let's head over to Ellen's yard. Hi, Ellen. Hi. How are you today? Very good. Good. Uh, I just have one question. And I know you told us last week, but I can't, I didn't write it down and I can't remember. Do I cut back the uh, climbing roses and leave the knockout rose alone, uh, uh, or is it the opposite? Uh, you don't have to really, you know, uh, the climbing roses, you don't have to prune at all. Oh. So okay. you can, you know, if in the springtime, if you got, you know, let's say stems or something that don't start producing any kind of foliage, then you can cut those off. But for the most part, okay. they really don't need any pruning at all. And the knockout roses, it's, you know, you can let them go until they finish flowering, or which is going to be a result of, you know, a severe cold, and then don't cut them back more than 20%. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what I needed to know. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Madeline's yard. Hi, Madeline. Good morning. Good morning. I I have a hydrangea, and I wanted to know when is the best time to cut it back. Uh, is when does it flower? Summer. So if it flowers in the summer, you can prune all the way, you know, from this virtually this point, all the way up until. You know, the new growth, in other words, new leaves start coming out. Then you can't prune it after that point. So you've got several months to do the pruning. So anything that blooms in the summertime, you can prune all the way through wintertime and up until the early spring when new leaves start showing up. Because when the new leaves start showing up, that means it's it's actually setting, you know, starting to grow the flower buds, which are going to happen in a couple, you know, a couple months after that. Okay. And it is my understanding that my knockout rose bush, I can trim now. You can, correct? yeah, you can prune it now. You don't have to prune it now. That's your, your okay. option or your choice. Okay. All right, then. Thank you. Sure. And let's go over now to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. 
Hi, Mike. Hi. I've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. I had a lot of clover in several parts of my yard, and I put some of this uh, uh, material that kills, you know, kills just about everything on it, and uh, it's starting to pretty much wither up quite a bit. But, you know, now I'm going to have all these patches that are sort of brownish-looking patches in the yard. Right. And I was wondering, is it what would be best as far as getting the grass growing next year just to go ahead and put some grass seed down or put some uh, sod down, or what do you think? Uh, sod's going to give you instant grass, so there's no getting right. around it. But just, I mean, you're going to have to work the soil up. Either one that you do is the best thing to do. But definitely if you're going to put sod down, these brown, you know, the brown patches – going to have to shovel it over and i'd probably add an inch or two of compost to that area and then lay the sod on top of it and just you know tamp it down lightly to try to get it at more or less grade so it's equal to other spots you don't want to make it so it's going to end up in a depression that's you know that's what is worse because it's going to be a low spot where rainwater or irrigated water is can settle and then it's going to kill your sod off you want to do the seed, you're going to have to wait until probably, oh, I would say it's going to be temperature-related. So when the soil temperatures gets above 50 for multiple days in a row, uh, then you can put the seed down, and that's usually going to be probably mid to late April, early May. And if you're going to put a pre-emergent down, then you can't put the grass seed down. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that if I was going to – I usually put pre-emergence down, so if I was putting uh, – seed down then that the seed probably wouldn't come up again right exactly it'll kill it it doesn't care what kind of seed it kills any kind of seed right so then i might be best just try and put some sod down and then put the pre-emergence on like i usually do right exactly but make sure you work up the you know the soil in the areas that you're going to be putting the uh you know the sod down okay i had a couple other quick questions if i could i i've got some cannas uh and with those cannas like right now, they're sort of dying down. Right. Is it best like to cut the tops of those cannas off and then dig the bulbs up and put them in the in the basement? Well, it's a personal choice. Lots of people, you know, over the years, and I watch them, you know, myself, and then people have called in too. I dig mine up and then you know put them in paper bags and bring them into the basement and put them in the dark. Many people just leave their cannas outside. They put you know several multiple inches of mulch over the top of them. And uh, just leave them alone, and, and they have pretty good success of them coming back the following year. It's just I don't necessarily like to take the chance, and I don't necessarily, you know, mine them in pots and things like that, and then i got to get them out of the pots so I can put tulip bulbs, you know, in those pots. So that's another reason why I, I pull them up. Yeah, I put tulip bulbs in about two or three weeks or so ago, and I'm, I've got those in my basement. And I thought, well, if I dig the canis bulbs up, I could just go put them in the basement also and then plant them all at the same time next spring. Yeah, well, your tulips got to be planted in the fall. Yeah, I already put those in the ground. Okay, so that's already done. So, yeah, then you can pull them up and, you know, put them inside, you know, bring them inside and just keep them in the dark and, you know, cut the you know, stalks off pretty much kind of at, you know, ground level right above where the tuber is. You don't want a whole big stub there because it's just going to be a you know, rotted mess. And uh, right. just, uh, you know, put them, you know, just make sure that they don't have any kind of light on them because I don't know if you are listening last hour, but a lady had brought her elephant ears in and just laid them on a cardboard box or a piece of cardboard in her basement, and they started sprouting because they were still getting light. 
So you want to make sure that they just you're not getting any kind of light. So even though okay, yours is a- yours a canna and not an elephant ears like hers, the you know the summer bulbs tubers are going to do the same thing. Okay, I got one last question. If I put uh, some cabbage and some broccoli in, oh, about a, two months or so ago, and right now, you know, they really haven't farmed ahead on the lettuce, on the cabbage or anything, or too much on the broccoli, you think it, there's any chance I'm going to get anything out of those? Uh, maybe, but uh, probably not. I mean, I'd leave okay. them just in case, but uh, it's a little bit late. So, you know, with the cool season things for, you know, the fall growth, you know, pattern, uh, planting them in probably the 1st of August would have been the best thing to do, 1st yeah, to mid-August. It pretty, yeah, it was pretty hot when I put those in, but they just didn't, haven't quite gotten too far right now. Did you fertilize? No, I didn't. Oh, well, that you know that was probably part of the thing why they didn't get to, let's say, setting vegetables or setting edibles. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for answering the questions. Sure. My pleasure. And if anybody else has any questions or concerns, we got uh, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, please take the opportunity to get out and cruise around or just walk through your neighborhood you know, whatever it happens to be, and enjoy the leaves because I don't know how much longer they're going to last, but I have, I just don't remember them lasting this many leaves on the trees this late into the season as far as fall goes. It's just been nothing but spectacular. So let's head back to the phones and go over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Alexa, off. Yes, Hi, Mike. Co- um, I, uh, during my morning stroll this morning, I noticed my ginkgo tree and beautifully... Um, mustard uh luster and you were talking about how beautiful it is it's breathtaking right and also i saw the a big buck looking right at me awesome <laughs> but but i had five different questions i wanted to ask and i'll just ask him and then i'll get off the phone if you want um, well my, i don't my, know if i can remember all five of them so why don't you one at a time and okay. i'll answer okay thank you um i uh have perennial mums that i actually put in the ground now before the frost out here. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, was wondering, do I need to water those at all? Definitely. You don't want them to go. I mean, we've had a dry spell here, so you want to make sure that they don't go, th- you know, they don't dehydrate. And don't cut, gotcha. the, don't cut the foliage or anything off. Let that protect the plant for the, you know, the crown of the plant for the wintertime. Okay. And then as far as tulips, I got some Operation Brightside tulips, um, and I wanted to never try putting them in pots. Could you give some pointers on that? Basically, larger pots, my pots are at least uh, 15 to 18 inches minimum, and uh, I use a potting mix, not potting soil, not dirt, nothing, a potting mix, and I plant them about four to six, you know, about six inches deep. And I don't put any of them right next to the edge. And I just do concentric circles and just fill them up entirely that way. And I've been doing this for decades. And only I think there's only been two years where it got so severe that uh, some of them got damaged due to the cold. How far away from the edge do you go? No, uh, or, no. Probably like two inches. Okay. And then, um, uh, thank you. And then uh, I have a lilac bush that has p- plenty of buds on it for next uh, spring, but the bottom 
uh, branches that I trimmed off. Um, can I continue to trim off even, I mean, there's no growth on it. I just want it to kind of look better. You know what I'm saying? Right. And my burning bush as well. Yeah, basically those are colonizers. So any of the stems coming up off the root system or at the base, you can remove those, yes. Okay, and then do you have a tip for trimming down any type of grasses with bulbs? Because I, it gets so invasive, it's horrible. Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, the invasive grasses, you're talking about lawn grasses or you're talking about ornamental grasses? Ornamental, tall, like, um, you know, um, uh, the beautiful grasses. The maiden grasses and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, basically they're clump growers, so they move away from the original center. So there's ba- all you can do pretty much is dig up the entire clump after you start to see the center of it has no blades coming up. Chop that out yeah. and then put the you know pieces back in to the okay. original location. Okay, and then one last question. Can I pot those? In a pot for a privacy screen. Have you ever done that? Uh, ornamental grasses should be able to grow in pots. It's just that you better have a pretty good sized pot because as big as they get and with the kind of winds we get occasionally, they get blown over pretty easy. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi. I have a question about transplanting some bushes and I don't know if it's too late to do that or not. Um, I have an azalea, a butterfly bush, and a hydrangea. I would say it's too late. Okay. You know, I, I mean, we put if, some new landscaping in and the old landscaping is looking a little rough and I thought it was probably too late, but yeah. I thought I might try. I mean, you can buy shrubs and in you know, and plant them now, but when you dig up something to transplant it, you really do some major, you know, reduction of the root mass, the feeder roots, and then to be able to right. get it to the new location, get it planted, and the ground is getting pretty darn cold, so the new, you know, new root growth is not going to probably happen, and then if we get severe cold, then it could do some, you know, major damage and head, you know, head all those into, like, a downward spiral. Right. Is there any time to transplant them, or am I just stuck with where they're at? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you can do it, but just do it. I mean, it's kind of tough. I would say the best time to do it is weather-dependent, again, is sometime mid-April through mid-May. That's when I would do the relocation. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I have. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Kathy's yard. Kathy, how are you, and where do you live? I'm fine, and we live in South St. Louis County. Um, I have a question about our oak leaf hydrangea. It, it's two years old, and it bloomed beautifully last year. Uh-huh. This year, we had no blooms at all. The bush itself is huge. I'd say it's probably, oh, seven feet high. The leaves are beautiful, but no blooms, and I wondered... Was it pruned wrong? Is there too much shade? What What is the problem? Well, oak leaf hydrangeas can take the shade. So the original, when you originally bought it, the production nurseries used steroids to make the things bloom so you can see what they're going to look like. But when you translocate them and move them into your landscape, the plant has to get more mature before it's going to flower. So that's probably a maturity factor. As long as it's not too close to a big tree or something like that, 
which could limit the flowering for you know considerably. But what you're what it sounds like to me is it's just not mature enough to do the flowering. And a lot of times you don't want them to flower when they're really young, as far as you know being newly installed, regardless of how big they appear or anything else, because it stresses the plant out and. With our screwy weather, it could cause more problems. Now, uh, can we prune it now, and how much do we prune it? Well, you don't need to prune it. I'd leave it alone because you want it to get okay. well-established. And the way plants get established is having the maximum amount of leaves because the leaves make the food. So roots uptake nutrients and moisture. This, the leaves, then you send it up to the leaves. The leaves use sun and makes food. Then it sends and shares it with the rest of the shrub. So leave, you know, let it alone for at least a couple years, and then you can start pruning after that. Fine. Thank you so much. Sure. And then with anything that blooms in the summertime, you want to, you know, prune it basically, you know, fall through the early spring before, you know, new foliage shows up. And now let's head over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. Hi. I have a question about hibiscus. I bought two hibiscus this past spring, and I've never seen this variety before. They're carnation, shaped like a corn, carnation, and uh, they're like an orange coral color. And I want to know, can I somehow winter these over? They're beautiful. I really enjoy them. Basically, they're tropicals. Yeah, if you don't leave, if you leave them outside, they're not going to make it through the winter time. But when you do bring them inside, they need to be in a bright location, sunny wise. Uh, don't overwater them, and they're going to lose a lot of leaves. Yeah, could I take them out of the soil? Like you can do some geraniums. Uh no, they're not going to no. be able to survive that way. So, in other words. Geraniums are kind of an oddball circumstances. You can just take it out and just leave it alone. But the, I mean, this is a woody shrub basically, and yes. a, and so the difference is, you know, annual slash perennial soft tissue versus woody, and so the hibiscus wouldn't, you know, wouldn't survive. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. let's go to Anita's. Hi, Anita. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have two questions. Um, I have uh, three wagilas out in my uh, along my sunroom, and they're really woody on the bottom and everything. And well, they don't look good at all. And I was going to dig them up. And when I heard you say that you could plant um, bushes and stuff now, I thought I would do it now instead of next spring. But I wanted to know: is um, do you think if I Dig all that, cut all that brown stuff off of the dead branches that they will come back. They're about seven or eight years old. Yeah, the wygelias, I would not dig them up and move them. Is that what you're asking? Or just. Well, cut- I was going to dig them up and plant some new ones. Oh. Uh, if the other ones don't, if you don't think the other ones will come back. Well, they should be fine. I mean, wygelias can last for multiple years beyond seven years. Okay. So in, uh, as long as they're getting proper amount of light, as long as they're not being impacted by large tree root systems that are growing close by or something like that, uh, and if you've had good success for this time, for, you know, out of the seven years until this year, and what's mm-hmm. happening is just the older canes, you can cut those off. But, uh, I mean, that's just kind of the growth habit of a colonizing-type shrub. 
Okay, so just like, I, well, I got some of them cut off, but there's still some on there. If I get cut all those out, then you think it'll be okay next spring? It should be. I mean, if you want to wait until next year and the springtime until the new leaves start coming out, then you can cut anything off that doesn't have any new leaves on it. Oh, okay. And um, I also have a weeding cherry uh, tree. Uh, it's, a, it's a small tr- uh, dwarf tree. Mm-hmm. And I did not prune prune the flowers off after the, when they flew. I didn't prune it after the flowers fell off. And the branches are so wild looking; they're just pointing everywhere. Uh, will that be okay? Should I leave it like that? Yeah, and ba- what could might be happening is any of the branches that are weeping, don't cut those off. But any of them that are shooting straight up, cut those off because uh, of. Yeah, weeping cherry is basically three different trees put together. Root system, the trunk, and the top that weeps. And if you got any growth, you know, stems coming up and going straight up, what that is is growth coming off the trunk, which is not the weeping part. So you can cut those off for sure. I can do that still now? Yes. And how far back? Any of the ones that are going straight up. You can cut as close down as where you can get them where they're coming off the trunk. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? You made my day. Thank you. You did. I'm, you know, thank you so much. I love your show. Well, great. Anita, where do you live? I live in Swansea. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks. Have a good day. Yep, you too. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, I will tell you also the annual cool season weeds, they're still out there and they're still growing. I can't believe chickweed is so rampant this time of year. And the annual bluegrass as well. Those are the two I'm seeing more than anything else, except for number one is henbit. Those just drive me nuts. And I just, you know, as I'm walking around, I just look in people's yards. Or even in my own yard, you know, I'm getting some of that kind of stuff in there. It's just crazy. And I just go after it, and finally I get it under control. Let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi, uh, Mike. Uh, I wonder if I should cut back my hostas now or in early spring. No, you can cut them back now in case there might be some slugs or snails hanging on them, you know, on the foliage. And they're probably already discoloring, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Yes. So anytime they start discoloring, you just cut them off. Okay. And incidentally, uh, three or four years ago, you suggested that I cut back my mums in early spring instead of fall. That was a great idea. They do much better now. Great. Perfect. Glad to hear it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And now Goodbye. let's go from Ron's yard to Dee Dee's. Hi, Dee Dee. Hello. Hi. I would like to know, I have a Mandeville, and I want to put it in the basement. I have a, used to know somebody that kept it year to year, and I want to know, should I keep the dirt on it and how to take care of it? And also, I want to know about poppies. I have a trouble growing poppies. I bought some at Walmart, and they died right away. Right. So. Please give me information. Yeah, poppies don't like it here. So our weather and everything else, there's just not too many successful stands or, you know, groups of poppies any place. And the Mandevilla vine, just treat it like a houseplant, bring it in, leave it in. Is it in the ground now? 
Yes. Okay, you're going to have to put it in a pot and bring it inside and grow it as a houseplant. So, in other words, put it near a window and just occasionally water it through. Because probably if you pull it up right now, did you plant it this year? Yes. Okay, so then you're probably going to get still around the root system a lot of the potting, you know, soil or potting mix rather. So just, you know, get a pot that's slightly larger than what the root system is on it and uh, add some more potting mix to it and just, you know, dig it up, trim it off a little bit or trim it off some and then put it in front of a nice, you know, basement window or something like that. Thank you. Sure. And, Russ, can you do it really quickly? Yes, I have a beautiful bald cypress tree in my yard, very mature, and it's loaded with the fruit, the round balls that are hard. Right. And I want to know about trying to get those propagated. Uh, Would it be possible for me to crack those open and plant scads and scads of them out, and they might just come up? uh, Chances of that are going to be somewhat limited. Probably what I do is just, it's a, you know, it's like a pine, you know, pine cone. It's a bald cypress cone. And just once right. they drop, then they're mature. And then I would just put some in a pot and just leave the pot outside and, see, you know, don't try to break them apart. Don't try to do anything at all to them. And just see what happens by just putting them in a pot with potting mix. And, uh, leave, like I said, leave them outdoors. Leave them in a fully exposed location so they can get rain on them and everything else. But my, my thought is they're probably not going to germinate for you. I got five or six of them that are growing at little little young ones at the base. Great. Should I transplant those or just leave them there or what? I would probably, at the base of the uh, the existing bald cypress tree? Yep. Uh, so are they attached to the trunk or are they separate? No. They're not attached. Okay. I would go ahead and maybe try. And, you know, with the thought that it's probably not coming off the root system. But, yeah, dig up a couple of them and see what happens. Put them in a pot or in the ground? No, I, well, you could do either way, but I'd probably put them in a pot and put them in a pot with potting mix. Okay. And then Thank just you very let much. Them, yeah, just let them, you know, be exposed to the weather and everything else. No fertilizer or anything. So thanks to everybody for calling in. And uh, Mike Miller, KM Moist Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.